0: All the Lonely People Written and produced by me, Jason Nelson Chapter 4 The week after the funeral was when I enacted my plan of establishing routine. It allowed for me to focus on tasks versus emotion and to maintain whatever facade I had established. But when it comes to tasks and plans, there's no way to manage every aspect of your day. There are things you have control over, the actual routine moments of the day. Waking up, getting ready, the preparation and eating of food, what time you leave for preschool and when you start work. Then there are so many other moments that can't be planned. The time between tasks, those moments when thoughts occur, and if you're not careful, you're thinking about her. But there's also moments between those moments where darkness begins to seep into those thoughts. You begin thinking about all the what-ifs. What if we just hadn't tried the right trial and the next one would have been it? What if she had gone to the doctor sooner? What if you had waited another year before having kids, and you would have known about the cancer or decided not to have kids, now Eleanor wouldn't be growing up without a mother because she wouldn't exist right now. The one thought that permeates all other thoughts is the idea of being with her again. What if I could be with her again? The priest, during the funeral while invoking the intercessions, talked about the time when we'd be joined together in heaven. It sounds good, but it doesn't really matter if you aren't sure what you believe. I know that it was meant to be a comfort, but it wasn't. It became something that I began obsessing over in those moments between moments when the darkness came. After dropping my daughter off at preschool and starting the drive back home, the darkness would seep in sitting at the stoplight. I would feel it pushing down on my chest. That would be the first indication. There wouldn't necessarily be a thought because I truly think that I was so disconnected from the idea of thought or feeling at this point. It would arrive and its presence would be a reminder that I should feel something. I was never any good with feelings. When I was younger, I was a kaleidoscope of emotions full of bubbling, vibrant energy. But at some point, it was too much, and then on a particularly vibrant, bubbly day, my mother told me to stop being so crazy or she'd put me on Ritalin. So I did. I shut down that energy and bottled it up, and didn't let it escape. Soon, that youthful, positive energy was replaced with moody adolescence, which remained bottled up except for the occasional outburst. It fueled my introversion and developed into a lack of emotional awareness in social situations, which led to some poor decision-making in high school and college, as well as a limited circle of friends. From those experiences, a pattern began to emerge. Feelings would be bottled up until there was a breaking point, and then things would explode. Shortly after we were married, I landed my first management role. I was young, There was no training, and suddenly I was responsible for people. All that stress would be bottled up between 9 and 5, and as soon as I got home, it would explode out of me. I wouldn't ask her how her day was. I would just talk for an hour about my awful, stressful day. I realized that I needed an outlet, or my destructive nature would compound until it exploded. So I took up running. The stress would build up between nine and five, but after work I would go running and let my brain reset, working out all the stresses and issues that occurred during the day. It worked and it was a routine that I kept until she started getting really sick. You're getting fat, the darkness says, and I know it's right. I can feel the waistband of my pants digging into the fat around my belly. If she was still around, she would say that she loves me the way I am. But she isn't, so I agree with the darkness. The light turns green, as the car moves forward, I'm stuck thinking about my eventual demise. What if I let go of the steering wheel and let the wheels drift over the line and over the edge of the shoulder? What if I sped up and drove into those orange barrels as fast as my not-so-fast car could go? car would flip I would veer into oncoming traffic and I would be with her again but a part of me knows what would also happen if I drove through those barrels the car might not flip I probably wouldn't land in oncoming traffic and if I did who would hit me would it be a mother in a minivan what impact would my actions have My memory drifts to an old memory. I was out celebrating with several college friends. Driving home with one of my roommates, we pulled off onto an exit ramp. It was almost midnight. There weren't a lot of cars on the road, but lying in the middle of the road was a body. I didn't see it until the last second as the headlights illuminated the body just in front of us. I jerked the car around it and quickly pulled off onto the shoulder. It was then I saw several other cars parked, but no one had ventured out to check on the body. That particular area of the city was dark. Not a lot of light pollution, and the exit ramp we took was also on a ramp for another highway, so cars were still going fast. I got out of the car and walked down the shoulder towards the body. Before I could get too close, a police car pulled up and blocked the exit ramp, lights flashing. The officer yelled at me to get back. Between the illumination of the flashing lights and the headlights of passing cars, I could see the body. It was twisted unnaturally, the right leg positioned in a way that made it look like those cartoonish sidewalk chalk drawings and TV police procedurals. There was no chance that person was still alive. As we waited for more officers to arrive, my old roommate and I stayed with some of the other onlookers. A girl, a teenager, who didn't see the body in time and ran over it was a complete mess. I think about the impact my accident would have on the witnesses. A child looking out the window. A little girl, just over three, without a father. I don't want to be responsible for that. But the darkness persists. What if you could be with her? All the Lonely People is written and produced by me, Jason Nelson. Original soundtrack and composition by Tone of Just Tone Music. Sound editing by Brian Kaler. This show is made possible and ad free through your contributions. You can support us at patreon.com all the lonely people. You can also purchase our ebook on amazon.com, as well as our soundtrack through iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite player. Spread the word about this podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for All the Lonely People Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Share it with your friends. Tune in next week for another chapter. And remember, don't be lonely.